going to teach y'all a new song this morning. This is one that we wrote. Your feet I fall for the one who gave his only son to save me for eternity. At your feet, at your feet I fall for the one who gave his only son to save me for eternity.
series of messages. We're going to be going through the book of James. And so uh, if you have your Bible and you'd like to get a head start, uh, you can go near the back of your Bible. I should go all the way to the end, hang a left a little bit. And we're going to start in James chapter 1, verse number 1. And if you looked in your bulletin, you'll notice that the title of it is called Faith for Dummies. Now, this was not done because in order to offend you in any way. I don't want you to think that, that I'm saying that you're a bunch of dummies. But what I am saying is that I actually have a couple of these books. And, you know, there's Computer for Dummies. Uh, there's Magic for Dummies. Those books, they're awesome. I mean, they're so great because it gives some real practical information, practical help about how to, how to do certain things. And so I thought, man, whenever I think of a faith for dummies about how to, how to put our faith into practice in a very simple way, the, I think the go-to book for me is the book of James. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months, just simply going chapter by chapter through the book of James. And so with that being said, now I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, in uh, January of 1993, there was a volcanic eruption at, at Galeras Volcano in Colombia, South America. Now, volcanoes, of course, happen all the time, so that seemed like that big of a deal. But this one was a little bit different. Uh, there was a scientist that decided to go to the site to see the effects of the eruption a couple of weeks after it happened. So he went there, he found some rocks, and he picked them up, took them back to his lab, and he ended up uh, slicing them or dissecting the rocks. Uh, whenever he did this, he noticed inside the rocks there was something very strange there. Uh, there was gold on the rocks. Uh, very strange. And so his first question was, what in the world is gold doing on top of a volcano? Uh, well, what they discovered is that the gold wasn't just lying there all the time. It was down underneath the surface, but whenever the eruption happened, it just shot all that gold straight up to the top. As a matter of fact, what he discovered after the first year is there was 45 pounds of gold surrounding the crater. Every day that the volcano was active, it was shooting a pound of gold into the atmosphere every day. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I just wish I'd have been there to collect the stuff. And so it's just really interesting. And so the question was, how did the gold get here? Well, the gold didn't get on top of the mountain because it was lying there, but a volcanic eruption had to happen for that gold to come to the top. As I thought about that, I, I believe this. I believe that in many of our lives, we have volcanic eruptions. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about you having a volcanic temper. I'm just talking about things occurring in your life that just sort of blow up. They're unexpected. And the big question is, when those eruptions or when those trials come your way, what is it that's coming out of your life? Now, I think for most people, it's the hot magma and ash of bitterness and anger. You know, whenever things happen that we're not ready for. But what James is going to point out to us today is that it is possible in the midst of trials in life, in the midst of eruptions in your life, for you to find victory. For you to find precious things that can come out of your life as you are put being put through the furnace of life. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see uh, some imperatives, biblical imperatives, of how to deal with trials and heartaches that come our way. And I am, I, I mean, I know some of you guys in the first service, I pointed out one couple in particular, I said they, they, this past year has been such an incredible 
trying year for them. And in, in a joking manner, I said, it's almost like God is trying to kill you guys, but he keeps on missing. And, and there's some of you who feel the same way. Like, man, I think God's trying to kill me, but he keeps on missing. And you're just going through all these trials in your life. And so the question is, how, how do I face trials in my life as a believer? Well, we're going to see that James has some advice for us. And James was writing to a group of people who were spread, Christians, who were spread throughout the ancient world. And they were living in different places at this point because, uh, because they were being persecuted because of their faith. And so they're getting discouraged, and James wanted to encourage them and tell them, listen, I understand that life right now sort of stinks for you. That the stuff that you're going through is creating heartache in your life. But I want you to know that because of God, that it's possible for you to have trials and come through on the other side and discover triumphs. And so how does that happen? Well, we're going to look in James chapter 1 and in verse number 1 in just a few moments. And just a little background information. Obviously, James is the guy who wrote this book. Now, what's interesting about James is James was the brother of Jesus. And James, while Jesus was living on this earth, he did not believe in Jesus. He thought Jesus was strange. Uh, we can gather that he seemed to think that he was kind of crazy. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, it says, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Isn't that interesting? Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. They were embarrassed by him. And so as time went on, though, James ended up seeing all the things Jesus did. And he's like, this guy's for real. And so he becomes a follower of Jesus, and then he begins to encourage people about trials. He says, as we go through trials in life, I want you to know God can use those trials and make you a different person. He can use those trials and help you discover victory in your life. And I really believe this. I believe the same thing is true for us today. So how does it happen? This is where the faith for dummies comes in. That's what I like. Real practical stuff. He says, I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. James says there's some imperatives that are necessary for you to follow to move from trials to triumphs in your life. And the very first one is, is crazy. He says, if you want victory in your life in the midst of your trials, he starts off by saying, have a joyful attitude. Okay, that is weird. And we're going to see that in just a minute, but I want you to look at him in verse number two. Here's what James said. He said, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. I do not know anyone in the right mind who enjoys trials. I mean, if it's up to me, if I'm, if, as I'm going through life, let me tell you, I must be lazy or something, but I like it when life is smooth, you know? Like when I don't have to exert any effort, I just kick back and relax and go, this is awesome. Life is smooth sailing, there's never any troubles for me. But the longer you live, like I, the, the older I get, the more I realize that is not how life works. Have y'all discovered that yet? Life is not always rosy. I mean, there are some times when life, let's just be honest, when it just absolutely blows, you know, that it's not much fun. And so whenever that happens, you're like, well, what's, what's going on here? I mean, newsflash, there are times when life is tough. So, so what are we supposed to do? How do we live? Well, James says, well, I've got some real good advice for you. He says, be joyful. I'm like, no, thanks. 
you know, give me some advice that I can really use. As you go through trials, he says, be joyful. Verse number two, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. What person in the right mind is going through hardship and says, man, this is awesome. You know, God, thank you. I love this. Send more stuff my way. I mean, it is not natural to have joy in the midst of trials. But it is trials that can allow a believer to stand out from everybody else. As we, we all go through trials. Everybody. If you're a believer, you're going to go through it. If you're not a believer, you're going to go through trials in your life. Remember earlier, I, I, we talked about the volcano. What naturally comes out of a volcano when it erupts? A magma. I like that word. Magma. Lava. Uh, hot ash. Smoke. Fire. That's what naturally comes out. What made the Galeris volcano different? The gold. Now that's weird, right? I mean, if there's a volcano and gold's coming out, like that's, that, is a diff, that is a cool volcano. That's a different volcano. That's what James is saying. He says when eruptions happen in your life, instead of the hot magma of anger and bitterness that naturally comes out of us, he says whenever the gold of God living in you comes out, it changes people. You see, I really believe that trials that come our way have a way of showing whether our faith is real or if it's an imitation faith. Now, there's a lot of Bible teachers that you'll hear who say, listen, if, if you're walking with God and you're faithful to God, then everything in your life is going to be good. That you're going to be prosperous, that you're going to be wealthy, and all these different things, you're never going to be sick. Now, let me tell you something. You can be a believer and, and prosper. Here's the other side of it. I guarantee you, you're going to suffer. I don't care if you're a believer. I mean, I do care. But then, just saying this. I don't care if you're a believer or not. You will face trials. Life will be hard. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. When you're struggling... It's not weird. It's life. Man, why do we suffer then? I mean, I'm sure you're like me. I don't like it. And here's, here's a simple answer. One of the reasons why is because of sin. You know, when sin came into the world, you know, Adam and Eve, thank you very much. You know, when sin came into the world, boy, it wreaked havoc on everything. Heartache, disease, death, pestilence, fighting. That's what sin brings. But you can also face trials because of your faith. And so the question becomes this. When we're facing trials, are we going to wallow in our trials and say, woe is me? Or are we going to say, you know what? I believe God can give me victory and give me strength through this trial that I'm facing in my life. Now, how does it happen? James says, have a joyful attitude. God can build you up through this trial to make you more like him. Now, is James saying this because he's a masochist? He says, man, just enjoy your trials. They're fun. That's not what James is saying. But then why does he call us to rejoice in trials? Let me try to explain it like this. There was a man and his wife who went to, a, uh, to see a world-famous weaver. This guy had this company, and they, they went to his warehouse, and he had people sitting at looms making rugs. And as they're making the rugs, the guy that was on the tour was watching, and he had this weird look in his face, and he's looking at this one, one loom, and, 
he sees on the loom in the back side of the rug that there's, you know, there's yarn hanging off of it, and it wasn't very well kept. He said the design on it was sort of obscure, and the guy's looking at it, trying to figure out what it is. And the owner of the, of the factory walked over to him, and he said, he goes, I, he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, make sure you don't judge the work or the worker by looking at the wrong side of the rug. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, we do the same thing with God. And a lot of times we, we, we make a, a determination about God and what's going on in our lives by looking at the wrong side of the rug, by looking at the wrong side of life. You see, my, my perspective on life is only from my perspective, only from what I see. God's perspective is totally different. God sees from eternity. God sees how everything fits and works together. So oftentimes, I look at how things are fitting and working together from my perspective, and I get frustrated at God, and I'm like, man, this is, this is a mess. Now, you don't know what you're doing, and yet God's saying, you're looking at the wrong side of the rug. I see everything. And what God is doing is he is using the trials that we are going through in order to make us more like him. You know, that, that's what God does in life. He's working in your life to make you like him. Romans 8.29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And don't be tricked into thinking that God doesn't like you or that God's trying to kill you. Or that God's trying to make your life miserable. God wants to work in your life in order to make you more like Him. So what does that mean? It means that as we go through trials, we can have a joyful attitude knowing God's working in my life. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm just saying this is what James is saying. Now, well, what's an imperative for us as we deal with trials? Well, James tells us have a joyful attitude. Then he says this one. This is another easy one. Have an understanding mind. When you're going through trials, just be understanding about it. Okay, now what does that mean? Well, look with me in verse number 3. Here's what James says. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, I understand that having a joyful attitude uh, through your trials does not make a lot of sense. But if you, have an, uh, if you have a spiritual mind, you can begin to see that there's actually some sense to it. So you might say, well, why do I have to understand to be able to have an, an understanding mind as I go through the trials I'm facing? Well, for starters, understand this. Your faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, your faith will be tested. You know, for those of you, uh, there's some of you who are teachers. And for those of you who are teachers, why do you give tests? Other than the fact that y'all are mean. I mean you know, why, why do you give tests? You give tests because you want to find out what your students know, what they've learned. Are they right? Isn't that part of it? I mean, you give them tests to see if they are able to apply what you've taught them, because you know that if they do that, then they're going to, it's going to make their life better, that it's going to help them. Well, God will allow our faith to be tested, to see where we stand with Him, to see if we are trusting in Him, or to see if we're still trusting in ourselves. And as we trust in Him, what we discover is that God can work in us and strengthen us, even when life's difficult. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. All the troubles we go through will be greatly diminished whenever we start thinking ahead and think, you know what, God is preparing me for an eternity. Do you know that? God has an eternity in mind for his people. 
And as we reach that place, we will one day look back and say, those light and momentary troubles that we faced, they weren't that hard because of where I am now. Um, a few years ago, I ended up getting the, I got the flu a couple of times, which is uh, first service, I shook somebody's hand and they said, yeah, my stomach's really bothering me. Of course, I made a beeline back to the table. It's like just soaping up, like good grief. Uh, so I, after I got the flu twice, I was like, man, this is not, I hate being sick. I'm not doing this again. If I can avoid this, I'll do whatever I can. So I started a few years ago, I started getting flu shots every year. Um, and I'm getting ready to go get another one. So I gotta, gotta flu, get flu shots all the time. Now that's not a big deal. I know some of you have been doing that for a long time, and for some of you it's not that big of a deal to go get a flu shot. It is for me, because I hate needles. I cannot stand getting shots, which is actually kind of ironic. I'm a diabetic, and so I have to get myself shots all the time. I still don't like needles. I especially don't like it when other people are giving me shots. And because the nurses, they come in, these needles, they're like that long. They want to show you, hey, look. And uh, so anyway, so I go in, and I'm scared to death. I'm sweating, and she gives me a shot. Now, why do I go through that, go through that trouble of getting a shot? Because of um, the, pay, the hopeful payoff that I'm not going to get sick again, that I'm not going to get the flu. I go through and it, and whenever I don't get it, man, it is worth the pain. The same thing is true with trials. Now, when trials come our way in life, they are not fun. Are you right? Trials are not fun to deal with, but when we deal with them, they can actually bring us benefits. And these are what? James says they bring maturity. They bring endurance. Uh, trials can actually make us stronger, depending on how we handle them. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Isn't that neat? Trials test us. But whenever trials come your way, God, if you're a follower of Jesus, God will never allow a trial to come your way that you cannot experience victory. Victory over or victory through. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Because that's the power that God can provide for you. So don't be, as you go through trials, again, don't, don't think, hey, God's, God's putting something on me I cannot handle. God is trying to wipe me out. God actually can strengthen you. He promises that he will never put more on you than you can bear with him. Now, where, when it's more than you can bear, it's whenever you don't have your eyes on him. So how do we, how do we face trials? Have a joyful attitude. Have an understanding mind. And here's the third one. Have a surrendered will. Be surrendered to him. Look with me in verse number four. It says, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And then verse number nine. It says, the brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation. But the one who's rich should boast in his humiliation. Because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is a man who endures trials. Because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that he, God, has promised to those who love him. God cannot build us up into the people he wants us to be unless we are willing to participate. You know, unless we are willing to cooperate with the leadership of God. It's only whenever we are submitting ourselves to him that God can be doing a work within us. Now you might say, well, I just prefer not to endure trials. 
That's me. I'd, I'd prefer not to endure them. And you don't have to endure them. But if you want to have victory, then you need to endure the trial. And the only way you endure the trial is trusting God. See, I believe God sometimes allows trials to come our way to burn off the stuff that binds us down. To get us to reprioritize what's truly important. Let, let me tell you, that you know what, whenever I go through a difficult time, whenever I struggle, my priorities become totally different. When I'm struggling, I, don't ever, I do not give a rip what Carolina and Clemson are doing in football. If I have a sick child, if I am having a difficult time, I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care about all the stuff that I sometimes find so important. You know what I do? Man, I'm, all, I'm crying out to God. When I'm in the midst of a trial, man, I'm desperate. I'm like, God, I need you. I believe sometimes God will allow, allow trials to come our way to knock us to the ground to help us see who we are trusting in and who we are placing our faith in. And a lot of times those trials bring us to a point of decision where we say, I'm going to allow Jesus to rule or I'm going to rule. And it brings us to a decision. A number of years ago, my aunt died of breast cancer. And she, she battled with it for a number of years. And I remember a few years after she'd had it, she was talking to my dad. It's my dad's sister, and she was talking to him. And she said, you know, every day when I get up, I write my journal. And she said, I write my journal, and I tell God, thank you for the cancer. And my dad said, well, why would you do that? And she said, it, it wasn't until I got cancer that I was willing to submit myself to Jesus. So when I got cancer, I all of a sudden realized, I need Jesus. And she said, every day I write my journal, and I thank God. And she said, my hope is that my, my three sons will read this journal and know that I was never bitter or angry at God, but that I was grateful to God for the trial that I faced because it brought me to Him, and He has an eternal purpose for me. Now, that's pretty strong. Let me tell you something. God has a purpose for our lives, and trials have the potential to make us into people that look like the God we worship. Now, here's a question I have for you. Have you surrendered your will to Jesus? You must say, I don't know if I have or not. And I think there's a fairly easy way to find out. I think one of the ways that you find out is to ask yourself, when I make decisions, who has the final say, me or God? Whenever I'm reading Scripture, when I look into the Bible... Am I willing to be obedient to it, or do I start making excuses as to why that doesn't make sense and why I need to do something else? If you have a surrendered will, you say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but God, I am going to trust you. Now, when we face trials, how, how do we deal with that? You know, how do we move from, from the trial to discovering victory? Well, joyful attitude, an understanding mind, a surrendered will, and the last one is to have a believing heart. To believe. To believe that God knows what he's talking about. Uh, verses 5 through 8, the final verses I'll read. It says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. He should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks, ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. In the book of James, what we'll discover later on is the people were having a hard time praying to God. I mean, they were, they were not good prayers. 
In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, James said, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, James says they they weren't praying right. And then he tells us what we're to pray for in our text. James says as you're going through trials, he says pray for wisdom. And I look at that and I think, okay, so when I'm struggling, I'm to pray for wisdom. Okay, now I know for me, when I'm sick, I ain't praying for wisdom. I'm praying for God to make me healthy. You know, Lord, I'm tired of being sick. Make me well. James says pray for wisdom. If I'm in financial straits, I'm not praying for wisdom. I'm praying for cash, right? But James says pray for wisdom. Well, why would I pray for wisdom? Don't you think that the God who made us knows what we need more than anybody else? I guarantee he knows more, he knows more about what I need than what I do. Proverbs 3, 5-7 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. When we are in trials, we ask for wisdom so that we don't waste the opportunity of that trial that can make us more like Jesus. James says, ask for wisdom in your trials. And then he tells us how we're to ask for it. He says, you ask for it believing that God will give it to you. The, the greatest hindrance to prayer is disbelief. He said, if we pray to God in disbelief, like, you know, God, help me through this trial. Um, God, give me wisdom, like, like you're going to. You know, if we have doubts. He says, you're like a wave. He says, you're up and you're down. You're not stable. And so your life is just a mess because you don't have confidence and peace. You know, when I think of being like on a wave going, that's going up and down, I thought, of, I thought of Peter. You might remember Peter's the guy that walked on the water. You know, Jesus was out on the water, and Peter says, is it really you, Jesus? And Jesus says, yes. He said, then tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. So Peter, because he's crazy, he gets out of the boat. It's a storm. He starts walking on water. You know when Peter started to sink? Remember? When he took his eyes off Jesus. And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he sunk like a rock. Guys, that happens still today. Trials come our way, and so many of us, we take our eyes off of Jesus, and we go straight to the bottom, and that's when we become angry and bitter. You know, God, where are you? You know, why, why are you doing this to me? Why, why are you allowing this to happen to me? It's because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, what happens? You walk on the waves. I read a great story. It's a guy named Ron Pinkerton, <clears throat> and uh, he loves to hang glide, and he talked about a near disaster he had while he's hang gliding. He said he was 4,200 feet in the air, hang glider, when he hit wind shear. Okay, I don't know what that is, but it's not good. So he hits wind shear, and he immediately goes into a nosedive. He cannot get the hang glider up. And he said, I am rocketing straight down to the ground, and I don't know what to do. He said, I looked to my right, and I noticed a red-tailed hawk was in the same predicament as me. He said, except for the hawk, he wasn't fighting it. He said, man, he had his beak straight down and his wings back. He said, the thing was trying to commit suicide. He says, I'm watching the bird, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, the one bird I get next to me that has a way out is trying to kill himself. He said, so he finally decided, you know, I can't, I can't move, and so I'm just going to do what the bird's doing. He, man, he, just, he said, I just went to a nosedive with the bird, thinking, man, I hope this thing knows what he's doing. 
He said, I am hurtling to the ground. He said, 100 feet before I smash into the ground. He said, we hit a warm draft, and immediately, he said, my hang glider went up. He said, I don't know why it happened. I don't know how that bird knew it. He said, but whenever I went and followed him, he said, I hit that draft, and I immediately came up. Guys, there are going to be times, and I can, this is one thing I can promise you, when we are all going to hit a downward draft in life, and we are going to be hurtling to the ground. There will be stuff that's going to happen that will be shocking. Stuff that we have trusted in to give us security that is all of a sudden taken away from us. And we don't know what to do. And our natural instinct is to try to figure it out ourselves. Our natural instinct is I'm going I'm to take control of the situation myself and make it work. It doesn't. So what do we do? We dive. We dive. We, we bow ourselves before God. And humble ourselves before Him. Say, God, in my own power, I can't make this work. But God, I'm going to surrender to You. Trust You. And I really believe that as we do that, and we humble ourselves before God, that God will send a wind that will lift us up. That will rescue us. Now, I'm not saying that, that life's perfect, and that the storms that you go through, that He's going to all of a sudden make everything right, and you're going to become wealthy, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. But he will either deliver you, or he will enable you to endure through your trial and to have victory. We're all going to face trials. The question is, when that happens, are we going to believe him? Are we going to trust him? How, how do we move from trials to triumphs? Here's what God's Word says. God's Word says you have a joyful attitude, Trusting God, God knows what he's doing. You have an understanding mind, knowing that God is conforming you to be like him. You're going to have a surrendered will where you say, I can't do this on my own. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And then you have a believing heart, saying, I believe God's word is true. And that God takes care of his people. And that he has an eternity for those who follow. Mm -hmm.